Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is a crowd podcast. Was there an element where you felt like he should have put his foot on the gas and maybe tried to get rid of this guy? Your thoughts, George. What a result and congratulations to Ellie. He didn't really have to go through the gears. Bash. They can come off the left side, the right side. They come up through the middle. They come over the top. Number one pound for pound in Britain. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Ah. What a lovely smile, Declan. Hello, George. How are you? I'm very, very good. How are you? How was how was your weekend? Yeah, not bad. The reason I was smiling is because on our script it says brief hellos because we've got so much to get through from a boxing perspective. But before we get onto it, I wanted to ask you about the latest edition of the George Groves Barbecue Club. Obviously, you've been grilling. Cookout Friday and then one again Sunday. And Saturday, I was in West Auckland. What? Sounds like it's much further away than actually is Durham up there watching a, a fantastic array of young talent at amateur boxing show so that was lovely so but flat out weekend for me and yeah I had a little grill how about you well I was oh, I've been enjoying the sun of course in sunny London and I was at the boxing at Wembley on Saturday covering that show so that was that was very nice uh, and then staying up late or I'm lying actually I set an alarm for the boxing in New York which obviously at this age absolutely spins you for the rest of Sunday as well doesn't it it's not like the old days where you can power power through it does make a dent in it but it was worth it because it was an amazing fight we'll get on to that in a sec but I do wonder whether it might be time for a spin-off pod George maybe to do with your cooking and your barbecuing and I'm thinking we could call it uh, steaks are high (laughs) (laughs) anyone got any ideas for a good steak or or barbecue based um, title for our new barbecue spin-off please let us know but speaking of Auckland George Duncan McIntyre said hey lads Nelson is about 45 minutes flight south of Wellington so Nelson is further away love your work remember we had that moment where we didn't know what was further Wellington or Nelson well Nelson's further and Duncan McIntyre's further but I think somewhere out or was that the furthest one we had <laughs> this has become a flat out geography pod yeah it has. Um, just keep writing in where you're from actually George someone bit in touch I was hoping you'd be able to tell me who or you hope you're hoping to tell me what Dean Ahern said great podcast fellas I'm enjoying it from northwest Tasmania he's put some great boxes coming out from the UK and Ireland cheers Dino cheers devilish Dean 
Where should, where do you want to start, George? Because we've got business to attend to all over the shop. Where should we go first? Do you think we should start with the States and work our way backwards? Yeah. New York City in the theatre at Madison Square Garden. And Teofimo Lopez against Josh Taylor sold that out officially. Even though we both predicted, and many people predicted, Josh Taylor would have his big night in New York, he suffered the first defeat of his career. He's now 19-1, and one, which is the exact same record that Teofimo Lopez now has. But he also also has the WBO world light welterweight title as a result of a unanimous decision against Josh the Titan Tornado Taylor. Where should we start with that, George? What was your view of the fight? Correct decision, no arguments anywhere. General consensus, it felt closer to, to a 9-3. Now, I know Taylor is the champion, but he's sort of fighting away from home. He probably had the home support there. Josh Taylor was, I wouldn't say he was slow or sluggish, but he just was one step behind Tiafimo and um, Lopez, sharpshooter for periods of the fight. Taylor tried to match him in the in the sort of the single pot shots, sharpshooting didn't work. Lopez has every shot in the book. You know, he can he breaks out all these different angles throughout the fight. He was um, doing something that's essentially a, a cardinal sin in boxing. You know, you don't cross your feet, you don't go step across, starting in orthodox, stepping to Southport and throw a punch but he did and he had success with it throughout he was jumping both his feet off the floor and landing big shots it looked like or at least he was trying to show that he's having fun in there he didn't really have to go through the gears but what he can do is not just fiddle and fart his way through a fight doing these movements which the vast majority of fighters who have that skill set do he puts venom and a, and a bit of spite and power on them shots as well and I think he did hurt Taylor like he did look hurt it's even in even right up to the last round the last 30 seconds he gets caught again and again there was that element of it's not going wrong for me so don't don't change it from TFM I never had to really up it and try and get the stoppage I made him a, a pretty clear winner deck how did you see it? It was just almost Taylor was just waiting that split second longer and then as he's sort of formulating an attack he'd just get jabbed even just a jab or obviously Teofimo Lopez is orthodox Taylor's southpaw so it's that slightly different angle landing something just to just to nullify the attack that was coming it was just he was reading it really well it was a really good performance measured controlled performance I thought it was reasonably level after like six and seven I think I had it kind of three uh, four three-ish something like that like Taylor had, was very very close in the first half and then Teofimo just sort of ran away with it. No arguments with that decision. I thought it was a very, very good performance. One that many of us, including me and you, didn't see coming. Taylor looked a little bit beleaguered at times in there towards the end. I guess you would be because, you know, it's just kind of frustrating for him as much as anything. Lopez wins the belt and he's now a two-weight world champion after only 20 fights. He said afterwards um, that he retires straight away. He's got all sorts of business going on outside the ring. We alluded to it last week, but he says he's got a battle for his child. He's got a divorce. He's, you know, he's got this fractious relationship with his dad, who is the trainer. Well, I say fractious, you know, so it's said that they're not always seeing eye to eye. But it's one of those ones where he's got all this chaos outside the ring, but the one place that he's comfortable and that he can control to the millisecond is inside that ring. Sometimes you think all that business that goes on outside is can, can have an effect and an adverse effect on his performance and Josh Taylor would take advantage of that. It's quite the opposite. He's like, 
Forget all that that's happening outside. It was a marvellous performance. And what, I just want to bring in one suggestion from one of our listeners, one of our old favourites, Sweet Pugilism. Or I think we should allow that. He's, I think he's trying to say pugilism, but Sweet Pugilism. He said, is there a boxer, a current, an active boxer with two better wins than Teofimo Lopez on their resume? And the two he's talking about is the Vasyl Lomachenko UD in 2020 and now Josh Taylor at light welterweight. Can you think of anyone who can eclipse those two wins active fighters resume wise? I mean, Lomachenko, I can't remember how many belts he had, uh, how many belts he had at the time. But yeah, Taylor doesn't have all the belts now, but that's only because of, you know, being stripped for mandatories and stuff like that. Obviously, he's unbeaten. No one's beat him. It's, it's an incredible win for, for Teofimo Lopez. I got one counter argument or one suggestion, and that is Tyson Fury beat Vladimir Klitschko. I after, knew you was going to say Tyson after 11, Fury. After 11 years over in Dusseldorf, that was a mad win, which he doesn't get the credit for anymore because of what's happened since. And then also stopping Deontay Wilder, particularly I would say the second fight where he's just blitzed him. And then obviously the third fight, that dramatic third fight. So he's got two that can hold a candle to those two wins, but it's a great shout. There's not that many other people out there with with wins like that. Jesse Rodriguez had two good wins last year against Sikaset, Saul Rungavasai and Carlos Quadras, but not at that level and not with all those belts and in super fights like that. So it's a, it's a great shout, sweet pugilism. And it just goes to show the sort of impact that Teofimo Lopez has had in a reasonably short space of time and short career. You know, he's, he's got it all and he's got the confidence to carry it. And he's got, an, he's got a style that essentially is really good to watch. Even though it's flashy and brash and unorthodox in many ways, it's still attractive to watch. Shame for Josh Taylor. I think a bit, you know, a bit flat. He's had to travel to the States, change a trainer again. Never been a huge fan of the, the double jab. I know he flicks it out, but he leaves himself exposed while you're doing a double jab. And again, someone like Lopez, that's too much time where he's going to hit you with not just one shot because he's only got one shot. He can hit you with 10 different shots. They can come off the left side, the right side. They come up through the middle. They come over the top. He'll jump in the air to hit you with a shot if he can. And then, because he's got great balance and therefore great strength, he can then go straight away with the second wave. And we saw that, you know, and sometimes it's, it only, it's only got to be like a little arm stabby sort of muggy shot to get hit with, but still it knocks your head back. Someone like Josh Taylor who don't like getting hit. He doesn't, he's a proud man. He's a proud fighter. He doesn't like that. You know, he's a, if he gets, if he gets one, he's got to give one straight back. He can almost mirror fighters sometimes where if he gets hit with a shot, he'll go straight back with the same shot. But, yeah, Lopez was far too sharp. If you believe what he said afterwards, he says he's retiring. He since sort of backtracked, said he'll need a nine-figure contract to not retire. My feeling on it is that he, like we mentioned, he's got a lot of stuff to deal with and handle. He's he's troubled, as far as you can tell. In all interviews, he seems like he's troubled. So maybe he has a break, he has a breather, he sorts all that out, and then he comes back. I'd be very, very surprised if this is the last we see of him at 25 years old. And as a, a world champion, there'd be a lot of money on the table. Nine figures is probably unrealistic, but he's a massive star and a huge draw into financially for if a network can get hold of him. As far as I can tell, he's retiring for now. So I don't think we can even and talk up any other fights for him. So we just hope he sort of overcomes whatever he needs to and we do see him back at some point. But if he retires as well, I mean, what what a way to go out with the, with these wins on the belt. He's been a it's kind of a strange career and short one so far that he kind of, he's been up and down. He, he, he wasn't great against Nakatani and then knocked out Richard Comey, obviously the Lomachenko win, but then he lost to George Cambosis and then he rebuilt a couple of times. No one really gave him much of a chance against Taylor. I mean, people gave him a chance, but most people were picking Taylor. One thing I did want to 
to ask you about Taylor. We'll get on to Shane McGuigan in a minute. But since he left Shane, so when he left Shane McGuigan, it was in the aftermath of the Regis Progre fight, which is obviously his best win to date. He then moved to De- Ben Davison. He had a one-round blowout against Appen and Kong Song. He was hopelessly overmatched. He had a really good win against Jose Carlos Ramirez in their unification. Dropped him twice, one on points narrowly, but it was 114-112 three times, even with the two knockdowns. Then he's had the one against Catterall, which not many people thought he won, but he got the nod. And now this has happened. Regardless of what might have happened outside the ring and the reasons for the split, do you think he'd be in this position if he'd stayed with Shane? Essentially, it's always the fighter who's got to step through the ropes and, and let the, let his hands go. And sometimes when you give the trainers too much praise, it goes to the head. And um, that's what caused a rift as well. I think he would be a better fighter now if he had stayed with Shane McGuigan. But Sh- Shane's, Shane's a better coach for me than Joe McNally. I'm sure, you know, it's a short career and I'm sure they all left to all stayed for their own reasons financial or otherwise but you can't really argue that not many people have left the McGuigan stable and done vehemently better um, Akoli being one example anyway let's stick with people who, who are still there because at Wembley Arena Ellie the baked bean of Catford Scotney the Cockney 7-0 and is now the new IBF super bantamweight champion of the world. She beat, as we predicted, Chernika Johnson. Your thoughts, George? What a result and congratulations to Ellie. She's fulfilled her dream, become a world champion in only a handful of fights, which is incredible, isn't it? She came on the show, said she was going to become world champion real soon. No one argued with her and she's gone out and done it and it's incredible for her um, over the moon she's a lovely girl and she's a great fighter and the fight was good it was it was a great all action sort of fight lots of skill high level skill which like let's get it straight you don't always get in a female fight sometimes it's highly skilled against someone out of their depth or it's a little bit raw and it's literally just who can land the most shots per round wins over two minutes but there's loads of intricate skill you know I, I think she's got a great style Ellie you know she doesn't have that big punch that maybe will come and I maybe it's just a process of uh, concentrating on hitting harder but she creeps in on the back leg like I used to like to do she'll creep in on the back leg loads of variety with her shots so she dips out to the left and the left hook comes to the body next time she dips out to the left the left hook comes to the head so the opponent doesn't know what's coming she's always giving them a different look making them guess she'll then pull her head out to the left and then throw the right hand straight next time throws her head out to the left and the right hand comes bent arm shot comes around the side of the guard defensively she's adept obviously she's pint size she's tiny but she's neat and tidy and she cuts out all the right angles she punches off her flow really well defensive movements are great she's got great conditioning nothing seems to bother her the shots bounce off her great performance from her but Johnson was really good too Johnson was great her jab was really effective she was getting I felt like she was getting edged out on the quality work great night for the McGuigan gym great definitely a great night for Ellie Scottney I thought she boxed well boxed really really well she said it was one of her bad performances um, uber critical and that's probably why she performed and, and has achieved like she has but yeah I thought Johnson was really good as well it was one of them George where it's not just like they found some person who's kind of grabbed the belt somehow she was I thought it was a really good evenly matched fight but just Scottney always just a couple of steps ahead so two judges had Ellie up 98-92 so obviously over 10 rounds and then three Three, uh, then one had it seven rounds to three, 97, 93. And so she becomes the second new world champion in as many weeks from um, that McGuigan's gym because after Chris Billum Smith, another elite club member, won the WBO Cruiserweight title. So just 
amazing. And Chris was backstage. I was ringside and backstage. Just amazing times for the gym and for those two. What a, what an amazing thing. Right right way. I mean, it should mean the world to you, win the world title. And I think to both those guys, it certainly does. So um, it's nice to see the joy. We look ahead now. And what that opens up for Scotney is in a division, it's wide open because there's a different champion for each belt. So there's, I asked Eddie afterwards in the press conference, what are we looking at? Like, what are you planning for Scotney? And he said, well, there's no matter. It was it was a mandatory, so there's no rematch ramifications. So they can do what they want. And he said, unifications only. They've obviously moved though incredibly quickly already. So the WBC belt is held by Yamalef Mikado. She's had it for like four years. Very, very good champion. And there's a new holder of the WBO, and that is Segole Lef Lefeb. That's spelled L-E-F-E-B-V-R-E. Uh, anyway, a very good French woman. But the one we looks like we're going to get next, as Eddie put it, is Maylin Rivas, and she is very good. So she's Venezuelan. She's 17-4-3, which might sound like a bit up and down for a record, but she's had 11 stoppages. So not you don't get many stoppages in women's box. She had 11 of her 17 have come inside this since 35. She actually fought at the weekend a few hours after Scotney in Argentina. The fight got stopped on a cut, so it was a technical draw. So they might run that one back her and Nazarena Romero or because she's with DAZN and a matchroom that looks like the obvious one for Ellie so she'll be straight in with a proper fight in Rivas um, and again do you feel like she's someone who is just going to look better and better the better the opposition is she has the talent she has the ability and she's uh, uber critical of herself so she need, if she really thinks she could have done a lot better then she needs to work out how and why that didn't happen she'll be happy to be in good fights hard fights fights that are that are fun to watch. I mean, she's tiny. Do you know what I mean? She's so she's gonna she's gonna have to do that. You know, she's gonna have to be in the in the good fights. Otherwise, she will always get lost down the card. You know, she's not obnoxious. She's not controversial, and she's only had a handful of fights. So the, you know, Eddie will be looking to keep her busy. I'm sure Shane would definitely want to keep her busy. She might be a world champion who can fight three times a year comfortably. Okay, well, let, before any of that, let's stick where on this card, Wembley, at the top of the bill, another world title fight, and it was Sonny Edwards, who, like we predicted, actually you predicted a stoppage, but I predicted points and many other people did. Sonny Edwards retains his IBF world flyweight title via unanimous decision against the previously undefeated Andres Campos. All three judges, Phil Edwards, Waleska Roldan and Carl Zappia, scored it 117-111. What did you make of it, George? I haven't seen it yet, Declan. I'm uh, I'm relying on you. Solely. Too busy barbecue and everything. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you hard with uh, plenty of questions, right? So so Sonny Edwards goes uh, another UD, pushed his record to twenty and zero, but with only with four KOs. Watching the fight, was he in cruise control or was he bossing it? Was there an element where you felt like he should have put his foot on the gas and maybe tried to get rid of this guy? So he within ten seconds he's showboating, giving it the looking over his shoulder with what Campos is throwing. He's a proper showman is Edwards and he knows he has to be if he ever wants to make any noise but it's one of them I wrote in a report that I wrote for Boxing Scene it was at times it was style over substance and it was all sometimes a bit too much of that and not enough putting on the pressure but he's not a massive puncher he never will be a massive puncher and he accepts that what he is is he was in control basically for the whole fight he says that the, the rounds he lost and he was counting them as they went he was doing it in a bid to 
allow Andres Campos, who was decent, by the way, he was decent, to just drain the the energy bar, like you said, on, on Street Fighter, on Fight Night, the, the energy bar. And then that would allow him to try and get a stoppage. But at times he was going to the ropes just to show that he could dominate from there as well. I think it was in the fifth round, Campos stops and sort of beckons him in. So Edwards marches over to Campos' corner, starts talking to his corner to Campos' corner team, beckons in Campos and, you know, they have a little row there. So he knows what he's doing. He's just in control. He's one of these people who he's so, such a seasoned fighter already that he could just do it all night at that pace and at that at that level. He said afterwards he was underwhelmed by, you know, Edwards Campos, much like everyone else was. But he got the job done. There wasn't many people inside Wembley Arena. I hate to say it wasn't, you know, wasn't rocking, but nobody does it quite like him. Afterwards, in the ring, we should have had Jesse Bam Rodriguez, who's a WBO flyweight champion, in the ring. That was the plan, is that they were gonna, he was going to fly over and they were going to do a head-to-head. But the fight was not agreed last week, so he didn't fly over. However, Eddie Hearn tells us it may be agreed this week, but certainly within two weeks. It's going to happen. It's going to be in the US. Uh, I would guess now we're in June. We're talking probably October, November time. Big unification. One of the best fights in the sport. Definitely one of the definitely V fight at flyweight. And it's that ticket for Edwards to prove that he's a lot more than just a, a UD over guys who aren't quite up to his standard. This is his opportunity to prove, as I feel, that he's number one pound for pound in Britain. So, I mean, it's, I mean, not like an 18 and over 18 KOs, but 11 KOs means that he puts them away when he can. So, Sonny Edwards has got to be switched on for that. There will be that element of, oh, if he makes a slight mistake and something comes through and it's going to hurt, it'll pay effect. Other than that, deck in the division, we've got Dalakian. Is that the right? Yeah, so he's, he's the WBA title champion. He sparred with Sonny Edwards. Queensbury have got options on him at the moment. So, and and as Hearn said in the presser afterwards, they haven't really got anywhere to go with him. Sonny Edwards is a, is a plausible fight for him, but it looks like it will be Bam. But, you know, Dalekian's a good fighter and that would be good, but it doesn't quite sell like, like the Bam fight. And then the WBC is held by Julio Cesar Martinez, who you may remember from the undercard of Canelo Ryder, big punch in Mexican, but he's just had a bit of a weird career. He was supposed to fight Sonny in October and it just hasn't come to fruition that fight yet. Instead of them trying to pick up another belt and then unify with Rodriguez, they've gone straight for this one. The, the money fight and the one that we all want to see. And Edward said afterwards that it's the sort of fight, you know, that will give him goosebumps before he goes to bed and it'll be the one that it will just dial everything in, that adrenaline and the, the IQ and the reaction so that he knows that any mistake that he makes will be punished, unlike it would have been against Andres Campos, for instance. So it's the fight that he craves and a victory in it, really, would put him right up there because this is a guy in Bama. He won our breakout star of the year, I think, last year. Jumped up to super flyweight. So the the, the division above that he's fighting in now, he beat Carlos Quadras, which is like a, a sort of modern day icon, and then saw Rungvasai, the guy who beat Chocolatito twice. Um, and then, like you say, he came down to fly to win that vacant belt. And now here we are. So an unbelievable run that he's had. But I just feel like Sonny Edwards might have the style to beat him. Well, let's hope we can see it. Yeah, it'll be in America which is makes sense because of the following Rodriguez is a big sort of draw in Texas where he's from San Antonio so I assume it will land there but he's going to so therefore he's going to stay at flyweight for now but he says he could do super flyweight as well as up to Bantam now Inoue's gone so he's got options all over the shop and this is someone who was kind of forgotten about when he was with 
Probellum, people, you know, he, he boxed three times for Probellum, but he didn't really build on that world title win. He's, he's defended it, what, four or five times now? Four times, I think. He's had five world title fights. So he's one of our very best. Um, what else caught your eye on that card, George? I just want to say some other elite club members. Uh-oh. And future elite club members were on the card as well. Chef Clark boxed. He was so good. He is a class act. He's, he's fun to watch. He's in the division as well. The hottest division in Britain, it seems, right now. And I suggested on the pod that David Jameson was a, a step up and he, he shot back pretty quickly. What for him? And that's how it proved. He dropped him, I think, in the fourth with a straight right hand pinpoint, dropped him to his knees and then right at the start of the fifth uppercut dropped him again it was a very very good performance from Chev like the biggest test of his career and he absolutely surged past it as did another elite club member George episode you haven't heard yet if you're scratching it again I've missed this one it comes out Wednesday it's Johnny Fisher the Romford Bull what do you make of his performance deck the other geezer was rubbish I'm like I mean no <laughs> no but I mean no disrespect to these people who do what I could never do and get in the ring in a professional capacity like that and stand in front of Johnny Fisher but he was hopeless in that fight you know Johnny Fisher he said afterwards you know he's on his journey and that it was a southpaw so he's you know he's beating a southpaw now but that guy didn't want anything to do with Johnny Fisher and I don't really blame him he kind of landed left hook he, none of it was that clean but he sort of he went down it was in, it was over inside around Emiliano Salas not massive heavyweight either and he goes a step from here we're thinking now the southern area heavyweight title next which is vacant belt so that'll be a step up in class and you know and you're here on Wednesday great talker great personality he's got the lot and George on the subject of Johnny Fisher Joe EBCFC so Birmingham City fan he said is it time for Johnny Fisher to step up his level of opponent what do you think George is he is he about where he needs to be opponent wise now or can he press on and is that Southern Area title the way to do it yeah sure Southern Area title level for me Declan does need to rush and there's some good fighters a step above him in terms of Fraser Clark, who's vastly experienced as an amateur, pushing... Even he said he's not ready to fight for a British title, so why should Johnny Fisher be in a rush for it? Fabio Wardley, who had to make those quick quick leaps because he had no amateur pedigree, but now a pretty established professional boxer. Um, so, yeah, no, I think he's doing all right, Johnny. You know, in 12 months' time, if he's still having, you know, one-round blowouts, then maybe we have a different discussion. But for now, nah, just get the, get the good work banked in the gym and keep blowing away the opposition. Couple more things George wanted to say. Adrian Broner returned this weekend with a win, believe it or not, on a donking card in Miami at the Jayalai uh, Arena where Daniel Dubois boxed. Great fight between Sergei Devryenchenko and Jaime Munguia. Go and check that out if you're if you want to go and watch a very very competitive fight which Munguia edged. And in Canastota, George, I don't even know where that is. Canastota is the place where the International Boxing Hall of Fame is. Was there any new inductees into the International Boxing Hall of Fame? We have got a new elite club member in the f- the Hall of Fame officially, George. It was your old mate, Carl the Cobra Frotch. And they had the ceremony. He did a brilliant speech. He's such a funny bastard, isn't he, Carl Frotch? One of our best episodes we've ever done, that two-parter. If you're new to this um, podcast, you haven't heard those ones with Frotch, you've got to go and listen. It's so good. And congratulations to him. Well-deserved. If you can't think of someone who needs to be inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, if you personally can't get inducted into the International Hall of Fame, there is something you can do to become elite just by hitting the follow button in your podcast app. 
what international hall of fame fighters that we've already had that there has been already that you would like us to get on the show so who are we talking about we're talking about Lennox Lewis we're talking about Nazim Hamid we'd love to get Naz on let's see what we can do and you can email us those suggestions ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk and on the socials George which are the same always the same it's ggboxingclub on Instagram Twitter TikTok on the Twitter you've got a link tree to get you to all the links to everything else that link will get you to our playlist the ring walk which is on spotify so you check us out on spotify we love spotify declan if you want to listen to us ad free any suggestions amazon music baby no ads required if you if that's if you're that way inclined yes and we are back wednesday mr declan who have we got we've got the you know the latest winner the heavyweight ticket selling phenomenon that is the romford bull himself johnny fisher one word to describe that episode george Bash. See you, Declan. I'll see you there.